1: You are, and you know dreams. You know Teleron You can, my name is Egwene, Egwene Alvier. I, she took a deep breath. Amy's did not look a woman to lie to. I am Aes Sedai of the Green Aja. Egwene, chapter 11, The Shadow Rising. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend, Tracy. I am here with my good friend, Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today, jumping back into the Shadow Rising chapters 10 through 13.
0: Yes, I have chapter summaries. Would you like to start there? Let's start there. Okay. So, chapter 10 is The Stone Stands. Rand opens the doors of his room to find dead Aielmen lying on the ground and Trollocs led by a Fade fighting defenders. Rand joins in the battle and leads soldiers and others in a race to defend the Stone of Tear. Lanfear shows up again to mock him for his paltry use of the power and remind him that Kalindor is just hanging out where anyone can get it now. They have a moment, then Rand runs off to make sure that the Saw on is where he left it. The sword that is not a sword begs to be used, and Rand does so with alarming
1: results. This chapter, I couldn't wait for. Same. I know that when we stopped last week... It was kind of hard Mm -hmm. shutting the book right there. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. But all mayhem is breaking loose. Mm -hmm. There's normal men fighting. There's Aiel fighting. Lan and Moraine are fighting. There are Trollocs fighting. Mm -hmm. There are Fades fighting. There are Trollocs fighting. Trollocs, it's just madness. Yes. And Rand is kind of running through these hallways and. Everything that he's seeing is just going by in a flash, and all of his thoughts and everything that he's explaining as he's seeing it go down is just really fun to get. And he's, you know, a legit Blademaster now. He is just hacking through Merdral, or Lurks, as mm-hmm. the tyrants call them.
0: <laughs> I think that might be one of my favorite nicknames for the Merdrals, is, is, is Lurks. I like that nickname a lot. Like, there are several other ones, but it feels appropriate, if that makes sense. What I love in this moment when Rand is, like, leaping from his room is when he's like, Fade! Try me! Fade! And I'm like, Like, I go back to that moment with the Aiel Mm -hmm. going after the Fade and having, like, that same moment in... I think it's in the Great Hunt or the Shadow. It's in the Shadow Rising. Nope, we're the in drag, the Shadow Rising. The Dragon in Reborn. The Dragon Reborn. Yes, but he has, he has this level of experience now because of what he's been through. So these poor Terran defenders are seeing myths come to life, and he's able to step in, kill the fade, and then kind of regroup these really shaken soldiers and is like, you need to wipe off the blood from the Trollocs from your blades because it'll edge your steel. And they're like, not quite sure and seriously shaken. So when he like like starts walking away and is like, the stone stands, rally to me. Like he's not quite sure if they're actually going to do that. And when they do and it's on, I'm like, yes, yes.
1: Yeah, and he was really smart about it too because. It reaches a point where he looks like if a few more men turn around and decide to run, it'll be me fighting everyone alone. Mm -hmm. So he has this moment where he's recalling when he takes the Stone of Mm Tear that the defenders are yelling the stone stands. Mm -hmm. So he kind of reenacts this and Mm -hmm. is able to... Gather some support and really mm-hmm. lift everyone's spirits and just get everyone ready to throw down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I did really, really like this oh shit moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of Lanfear mm. being like, you big moron, calendar's mm-hmm. up in your room, unguarded. What Dummy. if?" me? What if one of the Forsaken just grab it? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh shit, you're right. And he kind of like spins around and runs back. We also get this really, really cool moment where he's looking down on Moraine and Mm Lan fighting. Mm -hmm. And it really reminded me of episode one Mm. of The Wheel of Time where He's just, like, he's got this flash image of Lan, and he's just blood all over his face. Mm -hmm. And as he's fighting, Rand thinks he's just, Lan just looks like he's effortlessly training doing his sword forms. Mm -hmm. Like, no sweat, even though he's, like, covered in blood. Mm -hmm. And Moraine is just torching the shit out of Trollocs. Mm -hmm. And as one gets close enough To kill Moraine, Lan takes it out, and then Lan gets smacked with the broadside of an axe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Rand is just, he has to go, he's running, he has to get to where he's going, and he can't stop to help them. And I think this is one of the first times where you can really see Rand put his duty, put what's Mm -hmm. important to him, what he needs to do... Mm -hmm in front of the lives of the people he is with. Mm-hmm. And we obviously see the consequences of that later when he wasn't able to save a young mm. girl and he's trying to bring the life to her and mm. he just can't. Mm-hmm. We've also got Perrin and Fael fighting. Back to back.
0: I love that. Like, Fail is guarding Perrin's back with her daggers. And I think Rand makes the observation that he's not sure if the Trollocs are more afraid of Perrin's yellow eyes or his axe. And I'm like, ugh, just that brief moment of seeing them together. And again, it's a situation where his friends are in danger and there is nothing he can do about it because so is he. Like, he has to hope everybody will be able to take care of themselves. And that is a really hard place for Rand, who. I think he's a rather soft-hearted individual, like trying to be as hard as he can be because of the situation that he's in. But, I mean, what a decision to have to make. Save my friends, help my friends, or keep running to try to save everyone because Trollocs fades. Everything is happening. Oh,
1: and the Forsaken
0: might be like just storming around the stone too. So,
1: hooray! Yeah, and we again have Landfear. Kind of inserting herself into everything that Rand's doing. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And you really get the feeling with this chapter and the last chapter from last week that Rand is getting the idea now that it's not so much that the Forsaken are out to kill him just to kill him because they're evil. The Forsaken are jealous of him. Mm -hmm. And they know that if Rand were to turn to the Dark One, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't really be needed. Mm -mm. So, like, we see Rand getting this knowledge from Lanfear. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty freaky.
0: Yeah. I really like how she kind of lets him do certain things and then is like, nope, anything you can do, I can do better. So, like, when he first sees her he slams her up against the wall and holds her there and she just kind of hangs out you know, he's trying to remember how to shield her because he had done it with Elaine and green and can't remember and in that moment she slams him up against the wall and she lets him go, like after they have like this little conversation, she lets him go and he's like trying to decide do I let her go, do I leave her hanging there, like all... Oh, his brain, poor Rand, he can't make a decision. And I love it because in the book it says, Once more, Lanfear took the decision from him. The impact of severed flows jolted him. She dropped lightly to the floor. He stared as she stepped away from the wall, calmly brushing her skirt. You can't do that, he gasped foolishly. And she smiled. And that, to me, like, feels like the whole Lanfear-Rand relationship right there. Where she knows how to do everything, he barely knows how to do anything. And she's just like, I can do better. I can always do it better than you.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things with Lanfear that, I guess to me, she doesn't quite feel authentic as a character, Mm, mm. because I'm thinking of people who are really old, you know, Mm -hmm. like, we have people in the series who are much older and wiser, mm-hmm. but they don't quite have this kind of immaturity mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Lanfear does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe as a younger person, it might be kind of intriguing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: where are like, ooh, she seems mysterious mm-hmm. and she's kind of toying with him. But it's really hard for me to have any real, like, strong feelings about her. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because I can't really, like, picture this all-powerful, legendary Forsaken who's so strong. But also, Mm -hmm. she doesn't really seem sure of, like, how to connect with Rand. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of odd. Like, the relationship is a little bit weird. And maybe if I were younger, if I was a little younger, I would like fear a little bit more. There's something about her that I just, I don't, I don't love reading her mm-hmm. chapter mm-hmm. moments.
0: I can see that. Like, one of my questions from the chapter is, she goes from being like the full grown version of herself, which... Sounds really fucking impressive. Like this magnificent human being. And she instead goes back to the guise of a young woman who's like just barely older than Rand, or maybe even a little bit younger. And I'm not quite sure why she would go back to that. Like, if she really wants to overawe him intimidate him why wouldn't she keep the guys that she had before like her true appearance
1: yeah and the thing is is if rand thought she was unattractive in her normal form Mm -hmm. why would she show it to like Mm -hmm. why would she flip back and forth like i don't understand what maybe that's just to show the readers like what she can do
0: okay yeah I, i can understand that and that would make, that would make a little bit more sense. But But reminding him, like reminding Brand that Kalendor is just out there. like hanging out, just being a sword. really powerful song, Grille, and there are a whole bunch of forsaken out there that would just want it whether it was for themselves or just to keep it. So that Rand couldn't use it. I think Landfear says something like Mogidian would certainly take it just so she could have it just so she could keep it from Rand. And I like... I like that being brought up. And then Landfear lets him go, and Rand runs off and gets Kalendor. and I'm... <sighs> okay. This is the part that gets me in this chapter and not in a good way. So if he can, in this moment, pull pull power... the way that he is... through Kalendor... and send out... very specific flows... for just attacking Trollocs... and Merdral and whatever... it's too... it's too easy... do you know what I mean? like... something about it feels... too easy... and like it could be used again... because this is not the last time... that we're gonna face Trollocs... against humans... So why is it only really used in this one moment when he lightning strikes yeah, them? like, and it's it's specifically targeted to Trollocs and Merdral. How is that possible? Why has no one ever done it before? Like, Rand is strong in like this time period, but what about like the War of Power? Like, did they know? Weaves like this, where they could just go after Trollocs, Fades, Shadow Spawn,
1: whatever. Like, I don't know. It doesn't. You're talking about Moraine's response to him doing it, right? She's like, how did. What? How? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And also, just the fact that, like.
0: I think the only other time we have a moment like this where. Weaves are directed only at Shadow Spawn and Dreadlords and whatnot, is in the fall of Manetheran. And the queen manages to harness enough power and send out an attack that only focuses on those attached to the Dark One. And it just seems too I... convenient and almost out of place.
1: Are you sure that her attack was just focused on... Shadow spawn because didn't she pretty much level everything that wasn't left standing? You know what? I cannot
0: say for sure. What is coming to mind is I think it's in the book someplace where it says she destroyed the dreadlords where they stood. And maybe that is everything else, but I don't know. Like, did everything else include? The people who are defending Monethrin, did she wipe all of them out too? Like, was everyone already dead from Monethrin? And then it was just easy to get rid of
1: everything and everyone else? I kind of think that some people escaped. Like, they brought some survivors out of the city. Right. Knowing that, like, it's probably going to fall. Mm -hmm. And then the last group, that were supposed to flee, like, just joined in on the fighting instead. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know if anyone was left. But I had kind of, I guess, I, I thought that she just kind of did, like, a big supernova and just created, like, an atom bomb-type scenario that just leveled everything. Yeah, I don't know. But regardless, there are more inconsistencies in this chapter anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't talk about it right now because it's definitely a major spoiler for Mm -hmm. like the end of the entire series. Mm -hmm. So we can move forward if
0: you want. The last thing on this chapter is Moraine's reaction to seeing Rand. And like right after he's done this wiping out of the shadow spawn and she comes to where Rand is. Lan is right behind her and she puts up her hand and stops Lan from getting any closer. And her question is, are you well, Rand? And then he tries to reanimate a corpse. And I think that kind of answers the question. Rand is not entirely well. I think she decides... Once they get through this conversation, that he is not mad the way that they're worried about him becoming mad. You know what I mean? Like, there's always that worry in the back of everyone's mind that Rand is going to lose it. And if he can do something like this, if he can harness this much power and do this kind of thing, what awaits for him and everyone else? And then he's like, I'll tell you guys everything tomorrow it'll all come out tomorrow and i think that's almost the way it is with every other chapter that we encounter in these four chapters everything's going to happen tomorrow so i think that's all that i had
1: okay let's go to the next chapter 11 what lies hidden
0: the battle in the stone has come to an end but a queen elaine Nynaeve, and avienda have one last thing to do before they can call it a night Aguine enters Teleron Riode for the first time without the aid of the Stone Ring, hoping to find a direction for their continued hunt of the Black Aja. Upon entering the world of dreams, she feels far from confident that she can find what they seek. Her thoughts are scattered and she isn't always where she wants to be, but she stumbles upon a fellow dreamer with an
1: unexpected offer before she is dragged back to the real world. This one was pretty fun. Yeah? I was happy about this one. Yeah? <clears throat> what made you happy? I think in the previous chapters between our dear young women, <laughs> it's just been so snippy mm-hmm. and it's kind of subsiding mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think this is only because like things need to get done and Robert Jordan like has to push the story along now. Yep. So we're kind of leaving that behind
2: mm-hmm.
1: as things get going, get amping up. Do you think avienda is also
0: a factor in them not being quite so at each other's throats? Like there's another person there to help diffuse tension. Not that avienda ever steps in to do it, but sometimes another person's presence can impact how people behave towards each other. So is avienda maybe a factor in that? Maybe. Maybe. I'm curious as to why there are no dreamers in the White Tower because this is this is a queen's big problem is like she only kind of sort of knows what she's doing, and even though they have access to what at least three dream tarongre at the moment only two needing to be channeled into, she doesn't let any of them go with her, so she's like, I'm going to go by myself. And at first I was like, why? And then later in the chapter, she's she says she's afraid for them. Like, if the Black Aja is there waiting for them, then they're stepping into a trap. And I'm like, yeah, but then there could have at least been two of you. Like, it just seems kind of... Dumb, foolish, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, foolish, that she says no, like is like, one of us could guard your back, why don't you let us come with you? And I think Nynaeve does the explaining where she's like, Egwene knows the world of dreams better than the rest of them, like, yeah, but she still just barely knows what she's doing. You guys all know that,
1: that she just barely knows what she's doing, yeah. But at the end of this chapter, we even see Egwene trying to I don't want to say manipulate but get the outcome she wants Mm -hmm. by saying I can go to the waste I'm going to learn how to be Mm -hmm. a dream walker I'm going to do this I'm going to learn from Amy's and when I come back I'll show you everything that I learned and we'll all all learn it together and Mm -hmm. it's like no you just want to go and this is the quickest way that i think she thinks to kind of make sure that everyone's like okay you can go but at the same time like nobody was really like holding her back anyways so mm-hmm. it wasn't really necessary Hmm. like and is that in this chapter or the next chapter it might be the next chapter but but this is a chapter that
0: like gives her the reason to make that statement correct yeah correct
1: and I, I had, I don't know, I have a hard time with Egwene sometimes, but it, in one instance, she feels so real and relatable, like, when she's flitting through Teleron Riode and she's trying to control what she's wearing, mm-hmm. and she just can't really get the hang of anything, and it's. She's going from one outfit to the next, Mm -hmm. and then she thinks, yeah, like, if I don't control myself, like, you could end up naked, and then she ends up naked Naked. just by thinking about Mm -hmm. nudity, Mm -hmm. and she gets really embarrassed, and she's so she doesn't want to be seen as not knowing how to do something Mm -hmm. which I think is so relatable for so many people Mm -hmm. you don't want to look like an idiot you Mm -hmm. don't want to end up somewhere doing something where people are like you're obviously doing that wrong you'd never want to look foolish and I really love that about Egwene because it feels so real Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then like she immediately does something afterwards so I'm like oh come on Egwene like I was just really (laughs) getting to like find a moment where I really cared and I really liked this but this this happens with many characters in this series Mm -hmm. so it's probably unfair of me to harp on Egwene but I don't know there's she is the person
0: that's the point of view of this chapter so I think it's okay
1: yeah, and maybe maybe I just don't like know it all people that always, you know, like, I don't know. Land fear, I can do everything better. I can do anything not a you fan. can do, I can do better, yeah. Not, not very humble. Maybe no. it is. Like, maybe it's just lessons and humility where that embarrassment of Egwene, like, made me feel really connected to her, where it was like, okay, like, I get it. You're just a person like anyone else. Mm hmm. But
0: yeah, I liked that they're using Teleronriod again to try to find what their next steps are going to be. This and... is
1: so dumb to me. The whole reason of being in Teleronriod mm-hmm. right now, it, it, I have no words. I have no words. Like, what do they think that they're going to find there? Like, the Black Aja left their super secret handbook of plans just laying <laughs> around somewhere well, like
0: i i mean they have they have used Road before to help them find what they needed to find and i think eguine goes into this knowing that she doesn't know what she's looking for like she comes back to the same place over and over again like that the museum in the panarch's palace like she comes back to that over and over again because she's looking for something that indicates that this is the place where they're supposed to go because it's one of the locations that's been given to them by one of the black sisters that they've been interrogating so I think this is just kind of like a leave no stone unturned when you're looking for the answer of where you want to be going and so that's why they're using Teleron Rio at this time Yeah. I mean, that that to me is why they're doing it.
1: Right, right. I, I get that. But I think it was just, this chapter was just a way for Robert Jordan to move Egwene to the Aeol Ways. Mm-hmm. Like, and also possibly introduce a few things. Because we get... Well, yeah. Introduce more of Teleron Riod and... <clears throat> Send Egwene to her next... hmm Her next journey point. Mm-hmm. Her next plot point, I guess. Yeah. And this is where she meets Amis? Yeah, she's kind of shimmering from Tanchico to the Isle Waste, mm-hmm. and Amis keeps <laughs> popping up, like, what the hell are you doing?
0: I love that Egwene puts on, like, the outfit that the maidens wear the cotton like, sword. yeah like she's trying to comfort Amis like it's cool it's cool I know your culture kind of sorta and Amis is like you have no right to wear the cadence sword girl and so she makes a queen naked and then a queen is like huh how dare you and like she manages to
1: make Amis naked so this what? yeah I thought she flipped Amis's spear and turned her spear on her and that's what Amis was uh, surprised by. Let's see here.
0: Hurriedly, she thought herself back into stout shoes and the dark dress with its divided skirts and at the same time made the Ayel woman's garments vanish. Ah, okay. Yep. She had a flow ready to seize the spear if the other woman made to throw it. So this is, this is what shocks Amis, is that Gwinn is able to turn her spear on her mm-hmm. and like leave her naked too like I don't think she was expecting Egwene to be able to have that kind of control as like a total novice to Teleron road. but I mean I guess that also kind of says that you know Egwene is there as a dreamer and not as somebody who just flashed in and out of Teleron road like we've seen three different times in this chapter like. That was the other thing about this chapter with that I was like, okay, so you gave us pretty much every single example you possibly could have of what can not happen when a person comes into Teleron Road, with the exception of actually dying. Like, there's that one guy who falls down from wherever and, like, stops a pace before he hits the ground and disappears. And Aguina's like, had he crashed into the ground, he would have died. And so Jordan gives us, like, every single example. And I'm like, all right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a bit much like the lady flying and giving a queen the idea to fly is kind of fun. But I mean, it took her long enough to realize that she was just making herself a giant target. And like, it's time to not do that and come back down to the ground. So yeah, I think that that is like the thing that makes Emise realize that the woman that she's encountered is more than just like a casual dreamer in tell her own road. And then she goes out and like she goes after a queen like she finds her in Terabon, and she's a Mies this time. You know, she's a wise one this time. She's not dressed as a maiden any longer, and she and Egwene have this conversation, and part of it is her saying that the city, she says, the city is dying, eating itself. There is a darkness here, and evil worse than men can make, or women. So a picks up on a mood in Terabon or whatever. Something's going down there, and shares it with Egween, who has not noticed it. Like, she's noticed little things around the city, but she hasn't necessarily pointed out there's an evil presence here. And so, again, it leaves her wanting to learn more. And is like, come to me, come to Cold Rock's Hold, and I will teach you. And Egween starts out that relationship by lying. Good job, Egween.
1: Yeah. So, my favorite, I think, part of this whole chapter is just getting to see. All of the artifacts and Mm -hmm. Tarangriol and strange animal bones. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just really cool. Mm -hmm. Egwene has this moment where she reaches for Mm -hmm. a relic that she's not sure of. She knows that it's some type of Angriol. Mm -hmm. And when she touches it, she feels like she's being... Here, mm-hmm. stabbed, electrocuted, just something terrible, and she drops it. Mm-hmm. But she also, I thought this was really endearing too, because every time she flits from one place to the next, she encounters some weird creature.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But Egwene, being Egwene, I I don't know how many animals she's seen that don't live on a farm.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So she's like, well all of these animals keep looking like boar, but they're not wild boar. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm tired of seeing animals that resemble boars that aren't boars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was really cute because it's, it's just another way of Robert Jordan kind of showing that, like, yeah, these kids are really sheltered. Mm-hmm. And obviously if she saw dinosaur bones, nobody's going to know what the hell that no. is. But there's also animals in the waste that Mm -hmm. jump right over her and could have easily killed her and she gets really lucky (laughs) and lots of... Almost
0: like she's severe.
1: Lots of boar that aren't boar. Mm Mm-hmm. Hell yeah.
0: I liked the observation of things being older than the age of legends and like at one point she observes that Some of the the bone structures felt old enough to make the Stone of Tear seem new built. And again, another layer of world building. There was a something before there was an Age of Legends. And what did that look like? Here are the, the bones, the relics that have been found from before. I love that. I think the last thing for me on this chapter that had me scratching my head was Egwene just blurting out to a total stranger that she's hunting the Black Aja? Like, she encounters Emise, Emise is like, I'm a dreamwalker, and Egwene is like, awesome, you can help me, I'm hunting the Black Aja, and Emise is like, oh, so it's true, like, they exist. Why? Why would you just blurt that out to a stranger? That just seems really naive. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's all I've got for that chapter.
1: Did you have anything else? The only thing is that she does see another artifact that is a collar and bracelets. Yeah, yeah. That is very important to the series. Yes, and she feels like sadness and mm-hmm. agony, mm-hmm. pain coming through, and she really tries to kind of put some space between herself and some of these items that she's seeing because mm-hmm. they are not. They don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They yeah. Feel wrong. There's a wrongness. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you want to move to chapter twelve then? All right. Chapter twelve is Tanchico or the Tower. Elaine is relieved when Aguin finally wakes from her trip to the world of dreams. The revelations of the dream will split the group of gals apart in a way they had not planned for, but they all agree it's necessary. Moraine arrives with news for Avienda and leaves as abruptly as she showed up. Sleep is forgotten now that a decision has been made and there are plans to make before the morning comes.
1: This was a really short little, short little chapter. Mm-hmm. Short little chapter. We get the humorous bits with Avienda <laughs> explaining about father brothers and sister mothers and... Sister wives. Sister wives, and she's like, this is not your culture, and Elena's like, um, no. no, no, it is not. <laughs> We thought that was really cute. Mm -hmm. We get to know Avienda's thoughts on how Egwene and Elaine kind of created this scenario where Egwene steps back from her feelings from Rand and pretty much hands him off to Elaine. Mm -hmm. And Avienda's like... <laughs> saying like you don't want to fight each other, so you're you're so close, mm-hmm. you're n- nearly first sisters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, why didn't you just both marry Rand? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. What? It
0: definitely leaves Elaine thinking though. You know, like if she did have to share Rand, like could she do it? And she, if she did, she would much rather be the queen and not. Bear Lane.
1: (laughs) Of course. Everyone hates Bear Lane. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, except for maybe Matt. So we get the situation where everyone's kind of unsure where Mm -hmm. each person is going to go. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And Egwene is kind of shocked when Avienda is like, I'm going to go with Nynaeve and Elaine Mm -hmm. to search for the Black Aja. Like, surely they need someone protecting their back hmm and we find out why avienda does not want to go to the isle waste well we get a clue it's mm-hmm. not confirmed in this chapter but moraine shows up with this mysterious <laughs> letter ooh, <laughs> that's been sent nearly four months before she arrived and mm-hmm. it's handed off to her and it's Signed by the Ayel Wise Ones. Yeah, like a list of them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And they want Avienda sent to the waste mm-hmm. stat. Yep. They will await her on the slopes
0: of Chiandar above Ruidian. It's all planned out. And I mean, as this news is being revealed to Avienda, Elaine observes. The other woman's behavior and is like it doesn't seem possible, but I think Avienda might be sulking. Like, is she is she behaving like a child? Like, dragging her feet? She doesn't want to do this thing. Like, Avienda's like, all I've ever wanted to be is far dries my. That's that's it since I was a child. And Aguin is like, no one will make you marry if you don't want to, and that is not what's going to happen. But I guess that's where. Everyone's head is at the moment since they were just talking about husbands and sister wives.
1: Yeah, Avienda kind of stomps off and <laughs> says, "I am farterized, my." As she's stepping away from this conversation, mm-hmm. but also in the letter, <laughs> the letter is like, "There is a willful girl named Avienda. <laughs> Send her to the IOA." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, poor Avienda."
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's not
1: happy about it. It also kind of points to to. I know, like people really love the Aiel culture. Mm-hmm. People really love the Borderland culture, but every culture in the Wheel of Time has really weird things mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. and the Aiel. As much as they are loved, there are also some, like, big red flags in their culture, yes. just like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we saw with Lan and New Spring how <laughs> utterly messed up it is, how they deal with, like, losing their virginity there.
0: Mm-hmm. Weird. It's just weird.
1: It's it's not just weird; it's like gross. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: But with the Iel, there are other things as well. Like she has no control over her life. Like she's being told what to do, who to be, mm-hmm. and what to become. Where it's like I understand how in the Westlands it's the same thing. Like oh, you can channel. Like mm-hmm. ship you to the White Tower, yeah. no matter what you want to do, yeah. and then they kind of like beat your personality out of you until you become a good little Aes eye. Yeah, yeah. So we're also seeing that with the Aiel. As much as, like, the Aiel are badass and we love the farter eyes Mai, like, there are also things where it's not all... it's not all rainbows and sunshine. No. And
0: what I think is kind of exciting at the end of the chapter... Is Moraine telling the girls before she leaves that there is a raker, a ship of the Athan Mir? -mir, Did I say that right? Athan Mir, yeah. Yeah, Waiting in the harbor. And this is, I mean, this is kind of exciting because we really haven't had a lot of encounters with the sea folk yet. And like here, we're getting little bits of the Aiel culture more than we've gotten before. And now there is a possibility of another new culture being introduced to us, and I, I appreciate that. And I mean, Maureen's like it's a raker. There are no ships faster than this ship, and you wanted a fast ship, so this is this is the one that you want to try to take if you can. And then the girls sit to planning, like how are they going to get to where they need to go, and Avienda has already left. Like she takes off shortly after. Moraine makes the announcement, and then Moraine leaves, and then it's Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene who work on making plans.
1: I also forgot one more thing. Mm.
0: A few moments later.
1: Sorry. Yeah, let's keep going. If it comes back to me, then I'll just jump in. Okay. But I, I didn't have anything else for this chapter.
0: Nope. Move on to chapter 13?
1: Yes. Okay. Chapter 13 is Rumors.
0: Matt is taking a little time for himself at an inn in the mall, wishing that the events and the stone had not happened and staring down anyone who may try to join him. He overhears an upsetting rumor that sends him running back to the stone to find Perrin. There are choices to be made and different paths to take for our Two Rivers boys.
1: Yeah, this chapter to me was really fun. It's so short, Mm -hmm. but I mean, what it comes down to is... Matt and Perrin mm-hmm. having this like feeling of not being able to leave, mm-hmm. not being able to go, and Matt's like, "I can't even say it out yeah. loud. My <laughs> mouth won't even let me." Mm-hmm. And we learn that there are white cloaks in the two rivers. How convenient! This man that Matt is talking to about two rivers tobacco is like. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling you won't be able to get any Two Rivers to anymore. And Matt's like, wait, what? Huh? Mm -hmm. Why? He's like, well, White Cloaks Mm -hmm. and the Two Rivers and Rumors and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then... Matt starts thinking about home and his two sisters Mm -hmm. and his dad, Abel Cawthon, who every man in the two rivers loves Abel Cawthon. Mm -hmm. There's no one that could say a bad thing about Abel Cawthon. And I feel the tears streaming down my face. As Abel Cawthon's character assassination in the TV show was brutal, brutal, but I totally get why they did it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, "Oh, Abel, mm-hmm. I just really want to get back to the two rivers." Well, Aww. and I mean
0: we're we're going to like, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of exciting because even though the rumor is very specific, it is a very specific rumor. The white cloaks are looking for the dragon reborn in the two rivers and a man with yellow eyes. So it's not like there's a big guess here as to who they're looking
1: for. And Matt's like, well, fuck. And so off he goes back to. Well, Matt's like, nobody's going to know, Perrin, that you have golden eyes. And Perrin's like, no, you dummy. They know my name, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's no way out of
0: this. There's Mm -mm. no way out of this. Yeah. And I mean, if he is, if he is under direct attack and they know his name, then they will know his family's name. And so, of course, Perrin feels a pull, I guess, stronger than Matt does to get out and get back to the two rivers. And Matt tries to say that he's going to go with him, like you said, and he like he stutters. I want to, gu- 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 I can't even say it. So he's like, parents, look out for my family for me. Look out for my sisters. And he's like, when he leaves parent, he's having like these memories of his sisters telling on him, Mom, Matt's in trouble again. And he also realizes that he can barely remember what they look like. And so like these holes in his memory, this time away from home has just become fuzzy like everything about it is fuzzy he's almost losing that part of I want to say his youth even it's like misty in the background misty in the background Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I (laughs) as he's walking away from Perrin's chambers Bear Lane starts walking towards him and he sweeps his very best bow and she completely ignores him and he's like hey you! About to you, civil to you, you could at least say something back. And, like, she mutters something like, too much like me, and walks away again. So, I, I find that funny. Like, we have the encounter with Rand and Berlane, We have a pair and moment. We have a Matt Barilene moment. And then I think of the three. She's like, that one, that scamp Matt, he's too much like me. Nope, can't touch that one. I think it's funny for quick recognition.
1: Real recognizes real. Right, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Honestly, I can't say anything because that's a spoiler. (laughs) Good talk.
0: Well, I mean, that kind of wraps up this chapter, really, unless you've got something else for this chapter.
1: No, this one's really quick and to the point. I mean, there's not... It's just like everyone getting sent to where they need to go out here. Yeah, yeah. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast
0: is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalen on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live
1: recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address, and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes, and thanks for listening and joining us on the road to tar Let's, okay, spoilers. Let's go back to our first chapter, chapter 10, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: when I was talking about inconsistencies. Mm -hmm. So like Rand is using Calendar and everything is just fine, Mm -hmm. and then later on in the series, it's like whoa what's wrong with the sword it's flawed (laughs) everyone knows that not everyone knows that where he can't he can barely use it without nuking Mm -hmm. pretty much his entire army that's traveling with him yeah and now he's just like expertly using it in the stone of tear yes so i'm i'm pretty sure that robert jordan didn't plan for the flaw in calendar at this point i think that came Later, mm-hmm. most likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. But, it I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's like... It works at this one moment. And then later on, it's like you, you couldn't ever expect anyone to do something like that. You know? Like, had this just stayed as it was, and wherever Rand went, he could just take Calendor with him and wipe out Trollocs and Shadowspawn at will... A lot of things would have been way different. So I guess it's a good thing that they added that flaw later on. I don't really know. I don't really know. For me, one of the spoilers was when Moraine mentions that fear can cause Rand pain that doesn't involve killing him. And thinking of how she goes after Aguene and Avienda. I think it's in Fires of Heaven. Like right before she takes out or Moraine takes out fear but had she successfully killed either one of them it would have been
1: i mean terrible for rand on a lot of levels so, i wasn't even thinking about rand i was like well how would the story go well i mean after it, that? Would,
0: it would have they would have to change drastically and part of the story changing would be how it affects rand and like i mean there's really no getting around the fact that he's our main protagonist. That so much of what we do just revolves around him. So it, I think that he in some ways underestimates what a woman will do to hurt him. And Moraine is trying to say, you big dummy, there are a lot of ways she can hurt you. She's had thousands of years on you. She can come up with something that doesn't even involve your actual death. And you will just live in a world of pain and so that was keep that in mind rand keep that in mind lanfear is evil you just should have killed her when you had the opportunity you big dummy
1: yeah and okay so these chapters as well chapter 10 this -hmm. first one so we have competent dark friends all of a sudden right like getting this grain barge Packed full of Trollocs right. and Fades, and yeah. then just unleashing yeah. them on the Stone of Tear. Someone
0: has an Excel spreadsheet out there with like lists of what they needed how many Trollocs, how many grain barges.
1: It reminds me of one of the Jurassic Parks, I don't remember which one, but where they've got the T Rex in like the belly of this ship and they're bringing oh it God. back to the harbor. <laughs> And the ship just crashes into the harbor, it can't mm-hmm. stop because mm-hmm. there's no one at the controls. Because somehow everyone on the ship is dead, and it's just this T Rex now, right? And yeah, yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. If something like that happened on the TV show, we had like a couple ship full of fades and trollics, it
0: would be hilarious. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I would see them doing it like that though for the show, like this is. This is a big scene sequence, possibly. And I just don't know if they're going to include it or not.
1: Well, the thing is, is, okay, so whether or not they include it is one question. But if they do include it, or if the situation is somewhat similar, where there's just like hundreds of Mm Trollocs showing up out of nowhere they're going to need to explain how
2: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. like in the two rivers they show up and it's like well i i guess they figured out a way Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because they did Mm -hmm. and
0: isn't it later revealed like isn't it later revealed in this book that they used the ways
1: yeah, in okay. the in the books, yeah. Okay. Oh, but not
0: in the TV show, right? We just know that they're like pouring out of the mountains, and that's all that we know.
1: Okay, I right. see. Right. Which I mean, that that works fine, mm-hmm. I think, because the two rivers from the TV show, like we don't get a lot of the geography. Yes. Where in the books, it's like they can't, they wouldn't be able to get there because of the mountains and the rivers, and mm-hmm. they can't cross rivers. Mm-hmm. So Because you're scared of water and baths. Yeah, but if they just came up through some mountain paths or whatever, or if it's, you know, casually, like, slipped in. Oh, yeah, they use the way gates.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't remember if they do in this show. We have to be smart about how we get certain things in certain locations.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think... I think it makes the storytelling a little bit more tricky because eight episodes, we have to move people to places and get them there quick enough that it doesn't slow down the storytelling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you just have like thousands of Trollocs and Fades popping up wherever they need to be, Mm -hmm. it would be a little unrealistic. Mm -hmm. For sure. I don't think that they're going to
0: introduce a different form of fast travel this early.
1: I really don't know. I really don't know if we're going to get portal stones in season two. Well, I'm also
0: thinking of um, gateways. Like being able to create a gateway that like would just.
1: Well, yeah, but that doesn't happen until the later. Right. That's why I'm saying
0: I don't think that they would advance that in the storyline to explain how the Trollocs got there. For the TV series, you know what I mean? Like they wouldn't, they would still keep that for later.
1: Yeah, I mean, who's to say they don't invent something of their own? Ooh. I mean, mm. like we had Moraine and Swan Sanchez, Terangriel, Teleronriode. Love Nest, yeah, Teleporter, yeah, I guess, mm-hmm. which that. It worked fine. It Mm -hmm. confused people at first. It confused me. Mm -hmm. When they explained what it was later on, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But they could find some Tarangriol that lets people travel, maybe, or Mm -hmm. do something like that. If they, you know, need a quick fix. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: no, that's a really good point, that they could just create their own thing. Because I'm only thinking of, like, stuff in the books. And so if they decided to go with their own route, that'd be kind of neat. Because, like, I mean, those grain barges, you could do that. I mean, you could do it the same way that they do it in the book, where Lan just explains that like, this is how it happened, and you wouldn't have to see it. But I don't know. I'd be down with seeing, like, Trollocs and Merdral pouring out into the stone and everyone kind of unsuspecting of what's happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, like, there's... So, like, when Brandon Sanderson picked up the book series, mm-hmm. we have that moment with Androl where he opens the gateway and we have, like, the lava gateway mm-hmm. and,
2: mm-hmm. like,
1: I lost my fucking mind. Like, I <laughs> I, I did a, a backflip. <laughs> Not really. I was going to say, that's
0: impressive. <laughs> that's how I felt on the inside
1: when I was reading that. And I know a lot of people are like, finally! They did something really cool with the gateways, because honestly, Mm -hmm. I would be doing all kinds of crazy stuff, Mm -hmm. like, so Trollocs can't swim, okay, I would open up a giant gateway over the open water, and Mm -hmm. just let them, like, fall in, fall in and drown to death, right? Right. Like, so many options here, and we've got Mm. the lava gateway, we have... I think he even teleports dead bodies up to the slopes of Dragon Mount where it's really cold so that they can take Mm. care of the bodies later and they will be preserved. Mm -hmm. So, like, these things are really a little bit more, like, in-depth that I think Brandon Sanderson thought about. Mm -hmm. And with the TV show, I feel like you could do the same thing. Like, there are so many Tarangriol that you could invent mm-hmm. things for like how many angry do we see that we don't even know what they do a lot so I wouldn't really have a problem with them kind of playing with that a little mm-hmm. bit more yeah I know some people would be like that's not book canon wham but <laughs> to me like it's the statement of, like, that's not book canon, like, that doesn't bother me. The only thing that bothers me is when people do stupid things that they wouldn't really do in real life, and it feels unreal, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the Wheel of Time. I'm talking about in general, in general. with film or television. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, do some cool stuff. Make some cool things. I'm yeah. down for it. I would,
0: I would love to see this still in the show. This this battle sequence. I would love to see this.
1: Yeah. I would really like more Rand fighting moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, season one, none of our Two Rivers men have done much of anything. For I think training
0: with, with weapons.
1: Well, I think Rand lets off a practice arrow at one point yep. and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then we found out last week that <laughs> Lan training our young Taviran with their weapons got cut. Bad choice. That was, like, agony. Yes. Agony. Yes. Agony. Like, I mean, I'm,
0: I'm sorry. You pulled that? You pulled that? Like, one of the big things that you and I sit down and think about is how is Rand going to be a Blademaster? By the time he needs to be in season two, when he has gotten zero training from Lan, if you would have just kept one training montage, it would have made everything so much more understandable. There would be so much less to have to go through. It
1: doesn't even have to be a montage. It could be like Moraine looking over her shoulder while she's talking to Egwene, and the men are just in the background. talking, Talking. holding weapons. right? Like you don't even have to have a conversation but if you just saw it Mm -hmm. like you would be able to explain that away. But I understand like if you're filming something and you want this like legit really cool scene and Mm -hmm. you took the time to actually film it and then someone tells you yeah that scene's not going to make the cut. What can you do? You can't reshoot like something in the background somewhere. So like it's
0: I just feel like that's one so I would like have dug my heels in on and been like, no, you don't understand how important it is, especially for Rand, to be a blade master. He uses so many of his lessons with Lan. Lessons with, with
1: Lan. With- Sorry. Lessons with <laughs> Lan.
0: No, it was necessary. He uses those. Like he uses sword forms and practicing sword forms as like meditation forms. He uses the flame and the void, which Tam taught him and Lan has reinforced in sword practice for channeling with Sadine. And you just it's just been completely taken away. And now somehow we have to explain in season two how Rand knows how to use his sword when he's received no lessons from the one person who could have, should have been training him this whole time. So
1: I, I just, it, it just feels like a really bad choice.
0: It just feels like a really bad choice to me.
1: Okay, if you had the choice and they said, out of these two scenes, one of them has to go. There's okay. not enough time. Would you keep... <laughs> lessons with Lan or Weep for Minnetheran? I would keep Lessons with Lan. Me too. D- w- without a doubt. <laughs> me too they made made a
0: whole origins episode that talks about Monethrin. like you could have you could have skipped the whole sing song along thing on their horses and just had like a brief moment talking around a campfire about fucking monethrin and left them i mean how cool is that scene with lan and steppen when they're like tossing around their swords and axes and whatnot. It's just cool. It's just cool. I want cool, not necessarily folk tales. I mean, thank you for including it.
1: I feel bad for the actors, too, because I know that they've been training. Right. Like, doing, like, weapons training and choreography training since they were cast. So can you imagine, like, being in the gym, working all that time, and then it's like, oh. Oh,
0: sorry. We we kept the one where you guys were singing sort of okay, <laughs> off-key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scene that barely makes sense,
1: that's the one we kept instead. <laughs> oh, we're going we're going to make so many people mad cuz I know that people love that monethrin scene. It's
0: not that it's a bad scene. It's just that if you give me an option of what moves the story along so that it makes sense as far as like the full length Of the series goes, the boys learning how to use their weapons trumps song time with the Two Rivers kids. That's just, that's just my opinion. And I will stand by that. I will fight anyone who says that's wrong. (laughs) This is apparently my line that I'm like, this is it. But I am still really salty about that. Like, The ending of season one is still moderately disappointing to me because we have so many loose threads that have not been tied together that absolutely need to be tied together for the rest of this this story to make sense. And I'm totally fine with like jumping out of book and creating new things and doing different stuff. I'm fine with that. But this?
1: This? No. This is my line. This is my line, Amber. I don't like it. You know, like, the way he answered that question almost made me think that, like, this was definitely not Rafe Judkins' decision. I'm
0: sure it wasn't. Like, (sighs) and And you know what? I'm sure he fought for everything that he possibly could, and someone else who really doesn't know the stories, who doesn't understand the complexities and the length of this, because I mean... I doubt that every single person involved in making the Wheel of Time TV series has read all 14 books in the series.
1: What do you want to guess that like probably like 1% has read more than, you know, like oh yeah, entire huge cast and crew. Right. Like I I I doubt that many people have read past like 3 books. Yeah. Yeah. I am with you on that. Like, because, okay, if you're working, like, this is your job, you're working. You don't have 10 hours a week right? to read. To read. Which, I, understandable.
0: They are big books. This is a big series. There are a lot of things that could easily get twisted and turned around by people who don't know it. And that's just kind of what we're going to have to contend with as we move through the TV series. And I'm going to, you know, have an opinion about it. what we do it is (laughs) that's that's the whole reason for doing this is because we have opinions i did want to touch on the access key in chapter 11 yeah i have a question are you okay if we do that okay so when a queen picks up the access key for the female choden call so it's a song rail right It amplifies the power. I think that's right. Whichever one it is, she channels through it and it hurts her. And she says something about how it's broken. And maybe that's what's affected her using it. And I mean, she doesn't really know what it is. Like, we know what it is. But what I'm wondering is we come back to this access key being used by Nynaeve when she helps Rand. Cleanse siding, and I don't remember there being any flaws to the access key at that time that affects her channeling ability. Is Do it you? because they
1: have to be used in tandem together? Otherwise, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I think you need like male and you need both halves to work together. I think so. Mm.
0: I I don't know. I tried looking up some stuff about the Choden call and I didn't really find anything that said whether or not it was because the female Choden Call access key melts after Nynaeve is done using it. There's no more access key. And so like I was wondering, like, is that because of this flaw in the access key? Like it's been used. Nynaeve somehow managed to work through whatever flaw was in the female choden call access key? I don't know. I don't know. But it just it felt like an inconsistency. Like, Kalendor is not flawed mm-hmm. when Rand uses it. Somehow the female Choden call access key is flawed at this time. But maybe it's not later on like we've forgotten about it, which I would totally do. But I was just kind of curious. Like, is it still flawed later on, or maybe it does have to be used male and female together at the same
1: time? I'm looking right now. Might be something we have to like dig into because I'm not quite sure with this one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe we can do a short Choden call.
0: Orsa Angriol episode of some kind in the future. But I mean, it's it's like what you said. Kalendor is flawed. Is it not flawed? This access key, is it flawed? Is it not flawed? <laughs> like, how does it play into things later? And that was really, like, the only spoilery thing. I didn't really have a lot of spoilers um, to discuss. I do like Egwene's Dreams of the Aeol. How she sees Gawain uh, robing himself in white. Mm-hmm. And like she Shrouded. sees it as a shroud. And, I mean, it's because Gawain's going to become a white cloak. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, in some ways, almost has the same effect. You know, you become a white cloak, you're, you're dead, dead to me. You know, not that that actually happens, but that's kind of how it feels. And then, of course, Perrin and his fighting with a man with different faces. And I'm like, oh, it's lord luke slash that other guy so just seeing little things like that i love when we get like a green dream moments and finding out what they actually play
1: into later on okay so here's what i'm finding in a later book lanfear says something about a broken control tarongriol that is a trap for some unwary aesodai i believe that is why Egwene is reacting the way to touching the statue Mm. It's a trap! It's a trap. It's a trap. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's
0: a... I mean, it's a big book. Inconsistencies? I suppose it's kind of bound to happen, but... Just things I found interesting.
1: Oh, I remembered. I remembered. Hooray! I remembered. So, going way back to this chapter, one of the items was a circular item that was silvery looking with yes. a three-pointed star yes and it's like the mercedes-benz symbol what okay but when you watch the little teaser trailer sizzle reel thing with what we're guessing is high lady sue Roth, mm-hmm. the woman with the very long fingernails mm-hmm. she has that design cut into this silver veil she that does. she's wearing so mm. i don't know i don't know it's an age of legends thing mm-hmm. i think but it's, it's actually the hood
0: ornament yeah, from discarded loses loses uh bends that's what it is yes yes <laughs> oh i hadn't even like i i'm glad that you brought that up because i was wondering what that looked like in my head
1: I don't know why that's included but i think it's hilarious mm-hmm. no i like that and to like this creature I, I was trying to think of like is it like a mammoth like this the bones of this creature is it like a woolly mm-hmm. mammoth mm-hmm. but then i was like or is it like a triceratops are we going back even mm-hmm. further mm-hmm. so i, I don't I don't know I I think that's really fun I would really 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 love for them to insert something like that into the TV show just to up the WTF Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: well and I mean if they if they include I'm thinking of all of the cities they're going to have to create for the upcoming seasons like season one's pretty simple because you don't really have like a a big sprawl of large cities. But as you start moving past that, we've got Kyren, Andor, Tyr. we We're going to have to have Tarabon. Am I missing anything? And we've already got Tarvalin. But I mean, those are some big sets to have to create in like a one season period of time. That's a lot. And I really would love this little museum scene.
1: It's one of my favorites. It's really cool. Every, everything that happens in the Panarchs Palace, I love. Mm-hmm. Like, I love. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think it's just such a, it's, an, it's a location that is very different than the others that we see and it stands out for that reason. I
0: agree. And I mean, Elaine, or not Elaine, Green is noticing the city's kind of like run down. And like, she she sees these uh spider web thin fissures like running through a lot of the bricks and the stones and the domes around uh Tarabon. it's a, it sounds like it's an all white city like the the walls are painted white the domes are painted white like to me this feels like those uh
1: it feels like Greece exactly like Santorini or exactly, something exactly
0: exactly exactly so i mean and with this being a seaport city
1: will they Have they
0: added Greece as a location for any filming? Do we know?
1: Not that I know of. Not in season two. Mm -hmm. But I think they did parts of Spain, which also, like, parts of Spain are also, like, islands, so it could be somewhere, like, similar to that feel, Mm -hmm. not a Greek island, but There's definitely, like, places that could kind of fit that vibe. Mm -hmm. And then Morocco, Mm -hmm. and I think they were back in the sound stage in Prague Mm -hmm. as well. But, yeah, there's Italy. I think they were in Italy as well. Mm -hmm. I need to, I'll have to watch uh, one of Geeky Eerie's latest videos where she talked about all of the locations. It's been a while since I've watched Mm -hmm. it, but... That might be fun. She's a fucking gem. Yeah? Doing the lights work. (laughs) Love, Eerie. So, yeah. 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 I don't think I have
0: anything else. Do you have anything
1: else? I do not. Thanks for listening. Go to our YouTube channel. Watch some videos. Like them. Subscribe. Please subscribe. And... We will be back again next week, and we will see you then. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community.
0: Let us know what you thought of our content, correct us, send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes.
1: We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalan.